0: year 2024, astrologists have said that this is the year of the dragon, but we who live in Michigan know it's the year of the lion. <laughs> it's the year of the lion. Uh, economists have said 2024 is going to be the year of settling, where the economy just sort of takes a breather and settles back back down again. Uh, Those who are in technology have said that 2024 is going to be the year of AI, artificial intelligence. Here at Orchard Hill, as you have already heard, we have declared 2024 to be the year of God. It's going to be the year of God and I can see some of you thinking and going well Pastor Bob that's not all that innovative and not all that visionary because after all we are a church and all that we do should really be of God. I hear you and I agree with you and I do believe that we as a church community have have never wavered from putting God front and center in terms of our worship and how we live before him and live in this community. So when I say that it is a year of God, what I mean is that we're going to put ourselves off to the side for a while. Because a lot of times our teaching and our approach to our faith becomes about us and our needs and who, who we are. And we're going to lay that aside for a little bit. Instead, we're gonna turn our eyes on God. God, And we are going to seek God. We're gonna try to understand God. We're gonna try to comprehend God in all of the ways that he reveals himself to us through his word. We're going to open ourselves up to the magnitude to the transcendence to the holiness to the awesomeness of our god in the year of god the reason that i felt that i needed to put this front and center really came from a pastoral heart because what i have found is that We tend to be small godders. We tend to be small godders. We have developed a diminished view of God and we have reduced him into a way that we can comprehend and and manage God. We've lived this life of faith and we've gone to Bible studies and uh, we've been part of worship, and, and we listen to podcasts, and, and we've had some of our own devotions. And, and so we've been engaged in this, and we, th- we begin to believe that we understand God, and then what happens is we take that knowledge, we begin to systematize it. We begin to categorize it. And we begin to sift through it. And we begin then to, to organize God in a way that we can, safely and comfortably carry him with us and we put god in our box we domesticate god and we put him in a in a a small box that we can can carry with us and here inside this box is our our god that maybe he's just a little smarter than us, maybe a little wiser than us, maybe a little stronger than us. He's here in our box so that if I have a need, he can fix it and he can bring comfort into my life. This is my precious moment, God, that I carry with me in my box. And we've reduced God. And we've made him too small. And I've seen this happen. And pastorally where this the rub comes is that when people move through a difficult season of life in last year I witnessed a lot of difficulty in the life of this church and you know that life is full of those right the mountains and the valleys right and you're gonna have good times you're gonna have bad times times of blessing times where where it's a struggle and what I see is people go through those difficult seasons of life they turn to their God who they have put in this small box, and when they turn to that God, he is not big enough for them. And so they begin to question, and they begin to be worried, and they get filled with anxiety, and they get filled with doubts, and their faith begins to crumble. When we go through those seasons, which we know are going to come, where we hit that that, that health report that goes in a negative way, when we lose that friendship, when that wayward child is just off the rails, when the finances get tight, we go through those, and in those moments, people turn towards their God, and he's just not big enough for them to trust, for them to be able to stand in their faith, as we're called to stand, because they're small godders. Can I ask you this morning, how big is your God? Because my goal over the course of this year, again, from coming from a pastoral heart, is wanting us to not be small godders, but wanting us to be big godders. I want us to be able to know the God who reveals himself in his, in his word, who is holy, who is awesome, who is transcendent, and, and I'll acknowledge he is even incomprehensible. That's our God, but God has given us enough of his revelation of who he is so that we can know him. What a great gift is that? this God. But we can know him. And God says, if you seek me, You will find me if you seek me with all your heart. And isn't that good news? If you seek me, you will find me. And so this big God, this amazing God, this transcendent God, this God of wonders, we can find him. And we can know him as he reveals himself to us when we become big godders so get ready orchard hill in this year because we're going to take our small god boxes and we're going to pour our energies and our efforts and our pursuits into knowing who god is knowing his ways and knowing him backwards and forwards and in and out and trying to understand him the best that we can. And he's given us his spirit to allow us to, to grab a hold of what's necessary for us to relate to him. And I will find that when we do that, we will blow the lid off our small God boxes. And we will be able to stand and trust him, stand and know him as our refuge, stand and know him as our rock. Stand and know him. That's our God. And that's my goal. And that's my prayer. And, and, and we see that in the in the scriptures here, that we see that's David's David's um, encouragement to us, if we will, in this morning. David says in Psalm 9:10, those who know your name trust in you. Those who know your name, trust in you. Let's think about that for a moment. Those who know your name, at the time that David wrote this, we remember that in this Old Testament period, uh, the people in the lands around them all had gods. And all those gods had names. We know some of them, we know Baal, We know Asherah, we know uh, Dagon, the fish god, yay, let's worship a fish, Uh, Dagon, the fish god, Um, we know Murdoch, we know Moloch, Uh, they all had names, and the God of Israel also had a name, all right? They all had names, the gods had names, the God of Israel, his name uh, came from Exodus 3, If you remember in Exodus 3, the encounter there between Moses and God, God called Moses to him in a burning bush. My goodness, think about that. A bush that's on fire and it doesn't burn up and God's holiness is there. And and God is speaking to Moses like, Moses, step back, pal. You are on holy ground. And Moses takes off his sandals because he's in the presence of God. Who is coming to Moses, and God gives Moses a commission. And he says, Moses, I want you to go to Pharaoh, and I want you to tell him to release my people now. And that was the commission that God gave to Moses. In Moses, in Exodus 3, I'm gonna turn there. If you have your Bibles, I'm looking at Exodus 3, verse 13. Exodus 3, verse 13. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? Now Moses here isn't necessarily trying to come up with the name of God, what is behind Moses here. He's saying, what are your credentials? Who are, what what gives you, what gives me the right to go in your name to say this? Because all the gods were in charge of something, right? We had the God who was in charge of the the fertility. We had God who was in charge of rain. God, Ra, who was in charge of the sun. We had all these gods who were in charge of everything. And so Moses is saying, okay, I'm going to go and I'm going to show up. And they're going to want to know what credentials I have. You know, I'm here. I'm here in God's name. And they're like, oh yeah, Well, well, who is he? What's he in charge of? And God says to Moses these words, I am Who I am. That's what you're to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you. Or, and you can see in the Hebrew, direct Hebrew translation, I will be what I will be. Moses, there is nothing that compares to me. I am. I was, I am, and I am to come. I am the Alpha and the Omega, I am the beginning and the end. Everything has its life and breath is sustained by me. I am the God above all gods. You shall have no other gods before me and you shall not make any graven image like a fish or a cow. You shall have no graven images because nothing compares to me because I am and I don't rely on anything or anyone. I am god and god that's who sent you to pharaoh and this name of god that translated into yahweh the hebrew word for will be comes is the derivative of yahweh and so that becomes the name of god of of the israel god in scripture yahweh and it's And it's mentioned over 6,500 times in the Old Testament. Who do you follow? People of Israel. We follow Yahweh. Who's Yahweh? He's the I Am. He is the God above all gods, and there is none other like Him. That's who it is. I Am. And so the Canaanite gods had their names. The Israel God had His name. And as David says, those who know your name will be able to put their trust in you. Because when you mention somebody's name, right, you say somebody's name, what David is saying there is that all their character, all their ways, uh, all their history, uh, all of, of what makes them them comes behind that, right? It's their reputation comes behind that. When I mention the name, oh, I know this is what that person is like think back to when you're maybe going to high school and you get your you get your first uh you get your list on your of teachers and you get your list of teachers and you're like well who do you have for math and I go oh man I got Mr. Quotient I got Mr. Quotient for math you got Mr. Quotient oh yeah oh no he is tough Nobody ever gets out of his class in a good way. You might as well just give me the D right now, right? Because I, I got Mr., Mr. Quotient for my teacher. The names carry their reputation with them. I mean, this happens in our, uh, in our choices, right? Uh, also in our consumer choices, right? If I say, oh, I'm going to dinner, where'd you go to dinner? I went to Ruth Chris Steakhouse. It's carrying a reputation there. You know you're getting some good. Uh, Where did you guys, well, I stayed uh, at the Marriott. Uh, Where if I said, well, I ate at Taco Bell, uh, I stayed at the O'Connell Lodge, that's a whole different thing, right? The names communicate something to them. Uh, And I don't want to despair this, because I love a good Taco Bell taco. So I just, (laughs) there is a time and a place. But compared to a Ruth Chris state? Mm. Uh, So there is, so we know that the reputations carry behind them, and that's what David is saying here, that those who know your name. Now, let's pause here because David uses that word no. It's yada in Hebrew, yada. And it's broader than our understanding of no. Because when we think of no, we're thinking of facts, right? We're thinking of facts. Uh, and it was uh Albert Einstein who said, any fool can know. The goal is to understand. And that's exactly where David, that's how this Hebrew word of yadah is. It's not just knowledge here. It's I've experienced it. I've related to it. I've been immersed in it. I know it inside and out. That's how David uses the word know here. He says, those who know your name. I mean, for example, you can know about the Atlantic Ocean. You can know that the Atlantic Ocean is the second largest ocean. You can know that as you get north of the equator, the mean temperature of the Atlantic Ocean is 86 degrees. You can know that the Atlantic Ocean has a salinity rate of 35 parts per million. You can know that the Atlantic Ocean has a depth of 1,200 feet. You can know that the Atlantic Ocean has over 240,000 sea creatures in the ocean. You can have a very good Wikipedia knowledge of the Atlantic Ocean but do you know the Atlantic Ocean? No. You don't know the Atlantic Ocean until you get there and you put on your swimming suit and you run down to the beach and your feet go at low tide, you see the low tide, and you see all the shells on the shore, and you gotta step over top of them, and then you, you dive into the water, and you stand up and BAM! You're hit with a wave that sends you back under, and you get up, and you're slurping the water, and you're like, oh nasty, it's all salt, salty taste. And then you recognize every scratch and cut on your body because of the salt. It's like, ah, oh, I didn't realize I had that many and then you, you step on a stingray, and you realize you get to know the Atlantic Ocean. That's knowing, that's knowing. That's where David is going. That's much different than Wikipedia knowledge, isn't it? And you can know God, you can know God, figure it out and put it in your box, but you may not know God. Yadah God. And David is saying, you need to, yadah. You need to know the great I am. Because when you experience him, when you walk with him, after you obey him and you see that he brings you to life, when you come before him and you worship him, when you spend time with Him, when you see how He works in your life, when you have this experience with the great I Am, you Yadah, those who know your name, because they will know you, they will be able to trust you. They'll be able to trust you. And that's where we need to land, in that place of trust. So as those seasons of life move through, We're not pushed back and forth. We're not blown off course. When the rains come down and the winds begin to blow, we don't begin to collapse. But we stand firm because we know God. We know the great I am. This is the level of knowledge that we are aiming for, to know the great I am. And this is where I'm hoping that we can go this year as a church as we explore and seek and find and discover God in a variety of ways through this year, that we will land in a place where we're going to be able to experience him and know him. And then from one side of this room to the other, we will be able to stand and trust, and we will not be those people who are collapsing and anxious and worried and losing our faith and distraught because we know the great I am. Because when you know him, you will, you will trust him. So will you come on this journey this year to know God? Paul encourage us in, in uh, Colossians, Colossians 1.10, he says, increase in the knowledge of God. That's what we're supposed to do. Increase in the knowledge of God. Because some of us, we gave our life to Jesus Christ fairly early, and if you would assess our knowledge of God, our knowing of God, our walking, talking experience of God, it hasn't increased. And as a result, we're small godders. But can you increase in your knowledge of God and become a big godder? Paul also said, everything else is rubbish compared to knowing my God. Everything else is trash compared to knowing my God. Well, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to make it to worship this morning because I have these other, that's trash. Come and worship your God. I don't know if I can make room to sign up for my, my study this year to, to know God more because I have this, that's trash, it's rubbish right everything else is rubbish compared to knowing god because knowing when we know god it's in him that we get our life and breath in whom we breathe and where else can we turn says peter to find life nowhere nowhere and so let's strive to grow in our knowledge of god and as and as aslan i think it's in prince Cap, caspian says to lucy He says, he says to her, he says, the more you grow, the bigger I become. That's our God. And you see, that God will never fit in a small Godder box. That God. God, we thank you for being our great God, for being The I am, and we have seen you. We have seen you walk and live and interact with your people through years and years of being faithful and being true. And God, we walk through and we see what you did through your Son, Jesus Christ. And God, that is just a glimpse and the taste of your goodness. On that alone, we could stand. But God, we know there is so much more about you and who you are. And so, God, we just want to ask that you would reveal yourself to us in this year. And I want to pray for all of those here, God, that they, they would have the desire to seek you. That they would have the will to seek you. That when the enemy whispers in their ear and says, oh, forget about that. Forget about pursuing God. Pursue these things instead. They'll say, no, that's rubbish. I'm setting my face towards God to get to know him better. God, forgive us for making you too small. Forgive us for robbing you of your glory. And may we as your people be a people who begin to fear you because that's the beginning of wisdom as you say in your scripture. And not fear because we're scared, but in fear because we've never been in the presence of anyone like the I am. So God, would you just show us your glory this year? And would you breathe your spirit into us and breathe that breath into us and revive us in this year so that we are big godders who can stand for you, who are doing big things in your kingdom for you and who are living out this life, this life abundant that you so promised to us. But we know that it's rooted in finding you and knowing you, the great I am. May we be faithful in that pursuit in this year.